Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers. And the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, as always, is 706-0111. 706-0111. Unfortunately, um, plans to do our weekly interview with Koki. Koki is traveling, so we will not do that. So we will try to talk as much as we can about LSU's Citrus Bowl matchup with Purdue, so certainly feel free to call about that. Um, all, you know, the rumors and the stories and the speculation, we talked about it quite a bit yesterday on Sean Payton, Casper to quit or just continue to, ha- you know, they, they just, just line them up. Um, I... Uh, <clears throat> We'll discuss a few more t- teams and and possibilities and speculate. And if you have any thought on that, certainly. I, you know, again, like we said yesterday, there's a lot of people <clears throat> who are Saints fans who are going to have the attitude he quit on the team. So why would you want him back? And then there's going to be a lot of that are going to say, "I never wanted him to leave to begin with." So certainly, we'll we'll we'll, we'll take him back, and certainly. We prefer him as the head coach over Dennis Allen, and so you take it. So, you know, there's going to be people on on both sides of that deal. So certainly any thoughts on that. Um, Basketball, as you heard at the top, LSU will play Arkansas tonight. Top 10 ranked Arkansas. And you can hear that game right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104 1 Lake Charles. Tomorrow night, the Cajuns will open Sunbelt Conference play at Coastal Carolina. We talked to Cajun men's basketball director of ops, uh, Mike Murphy, yesterday, like we do each week. And uh, he gave us a little bit of an idea of what to expect from Coastal when the Cajuns have done very well over Coastal. They only lost once. I think they're either I, – I, I looked at it yesterday. Now I can't remember. They're either 5-1 and one or 6-1 and one all time. They've only lost once to them. So, um, you know, they they have a good history with Coastal. Coastal's a team like a lot of teams in college sports these days. They, you know, they, they haven't built from the ground up. They only – as Coach Murphy said, they only have three players on the team that were on the team last year. Uh, it's just – <clears throat> it's just hard. It's still hard to to, to grasp that kind of stuff. And I, I, I'm very glad that, for the most part, the Cajuns' athletic teams have not really gone that route. Like, you know, they've got a few guys in on the transfer portal. I mean, they've done it before. You know, if you remember Coach Marlin, wasn't that long ago, he went out and got a transfer from South Carolina and a transfer from Missouri and a transfer from USC, and it looked like it would, and it, you know, it paid off in a 27-win season. And if they had not gotten injured, it, it might have really paid off even bigger. So they've had some success before with that. Um, 
but especially in football, they just haven't done out. No, look, softball has done it. You know, they've gone out and gotten a ton of transfers in recent years. And, again, for the most part, that has worked. Still hasn't produced exactly what Coach Glasgow was hoping in the big picture. But for the most part, it's worked. And, obviously, the pandemic didn't help. So, it's not like the UL Athletic Department has not been, you know, ever taking advantage of the transfer portal. But – seems like compared to some other programs, it, it, it really hasn't. And the football program, for sure, Coach Dez is not a big believer in. Um, and so we'll see how, how that continues. So we'll look a little deeper into the whole um, Purdue. Purdue's got quite a few guys in the portal as well, like a lot of programs around the country do. And we'll look at that matchup a little, a little more as well. You know, we always say world champion, World Series champion Houston Astros it's not baseball season, and the hot stove league is not hot and heavy. I mean, it's still things going on, but it's not really that that time. So we haven't talked as much baseball since that week ended. But, you know, all this time, the Astros still don't have a catcher. They did not get any of the outfielders that they were rumored to get. They ended up just re-signing Brantley. Uh, they did not get Conforto. They did not get Benintendi. And so it's almost like... You know they're not gonna. They're not into spending money needlessly, or what they perceive as potentially needlessly. They're not into the arms race, and they didn't even go get a cheap veteran catcher. I, that worries me a little bit. I mean, I guess it's still possible they could make some sort of maneuver for a veteran catcher. I don't really know what that would be, but the last one in Barnhart seemed like it, you know it's off the table now. Well, he's been signed. Um, is it possible they're just going to go with Corey Lee, former first-round draft pick? Yeah, that's possible. And it might work. But my fear is Candy's going to hit a wall at some point, either age-wise or injury-wise. It seemed like, you know, he really kind of just gutted it out to get to the end of the season, played injured. And for a guy who never – I don't think he ever played one day last year after about the first week where his batting average was above was above one, um, he, he got on base in the postseason. He did. He got on base in the postseason. I don't know how he did it, but he got – for a guy who can't hit a lick, a beat-up old veteran catcher, uh, he got on base in the postseason. And, and, you know, they all rave about – you know, the job he does with the pitchers. And obviously he does a tremendous job with the pitchers. But if he hits a wall and Corey Lee is not really ready to take over, then it just seems like they're setting themselves up to be in a pickle with the catcher position if a couple things don't go their way. So I'd like a little more insurance in that area, but we'll see if they, um, you know, what they do. Again, I you know, to sit there and, and over be overly critical of what they of what they've done would be almost a little silly. They they kind of have made a lot of good decisions, whether they seem good at the time or not. Over the last six or seven years, they won a lot of games, and so it's not like I'm questioning their ability to get this stuff right. It just I'm a little as a person who wants them to do well. It's like not quite getting it yet. So we'll see how how, how that plays out. 
Carlos Correa thing is continue. Um, it just continues to kind of be sh- not strange because it's not, you know, he's always been an injury concern. When he was with the Astros, he was an injury concern. But this one injury that happened long time ago, you know, it just seems to kind of linger a little bit on him. And, and uh, you know, I, I got to believe the Mets are going to sign him. I mean, the Mets are in this, well, just going to spend money to spend money and try to buy a championship mode. And so why would you worry about, like, they're not worried about long-term issues, the Mets. So why are they worried about it now with him? It's a, I, I, it's a little strange. Uh, I mean, you know, do I am I a big fan of 11, 12, 13 year deals? No, but they seem to just be throwing money away for for decades at the drop of a hat. So, yes, Carlos Correa is an injury issue, no question. But I mean, it just doesn't fit what they're doing right now. It's like they're worried about this year and next year and the year after maybe. They're not really worried about – you don't sign all these contracts because you're worried about what's going to happen in year 8, 9, 10, and 11. I mean, that's so far down the road. And if they win one or two World Series over the next seven or eight years, if they would happen to win one or two, then spending all this money, which – I don't know that they're going to, but they probably think they're going to, or why else would you throw out all this money? Then they'll, they'll make it. I mean, you make, especially if you're in New York City, you're going to make tons of money if you get to the World Series. So, um, I don't know. Kind of strange to see how that, it's still not official. We'll see what happens there. And, I, and I'm going to say it again, and then we're going to get off baseball unless y'all want to discuss it, uh, any issues of it. The Texas Rangers worry me a little bit. I know there are people out there who the Astros have dominated the Texas Rangers over the last six, you know, five or six years or so, and I get it. I get it, but I'm not an elitist, and and they're getting guys on their stat on their team that could could it work out? Yeah, could it not work out? Yeah, but guys, they signed Nathan Ubaldi yesterday, and the Astros have had experiences with with Uvalde where they dominated him and they've had experiences where they got dominated by him. He He's had really good stretches in his career and really bad stretches in his career. But he's also helped teams win a World Series before. And if, if they get out of DeGrom, what they're hoping, and they get out, I mean, I'm just saying the ceiling – for the a lot of these signees that they're signees them they've made is really high. Like now, is there a chance that they're all going to work out, or that it's not going to work out? Probably so. I'm just telling you, the Rangers are scary. They're all in. They're they're putting money. They're not doing what the Mets have done, but they've done a lot. Like, they're really trying to win now. Seattle's really good and really young and in a great position to be good for a while now. And the Rangers are throwing a lot of money at it. 
and they've got good players, really good players. And the Astros are pretty good themselves as the reigning champions. So, you know, I know all the publicity, and I get it, is about the National League ESPN division, and I get it. I'm not saying it shouldn't be because they all, you know, the Braves are doing things more like the Astros and the Phillies and the Mets are throwing money out it like it, it like it's crazy. But this, I'm worried about the Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to be potentially really good. Now, again, DeGrom has to play, pitch. Ubalde has to pitch. They both miss a ton of time on injury. There's no question. All of that. All that's true. I'm just saying the ceiling for the Rangers is a lot higher than some people think, I believe, or some people realize after all, if it if it works out for them injury-wise. A little bit scary. And the Mariners are going to be good. Natural, that's a, that's a really good division. And look, the, the little MVPs are throwing money. I don't. I still don't think they have enough pitching. They never seem to have pitching, but they're throwing a lot of money at it too. So, while I know we're about to get into basketball full fledged as soon as football's over, and football is still, you know, we've got national semifinal games, we've got the playoffs, we've got LSU playing uh, on Monday against Purdue. We're going to talk about that in the, in the next after the first time out, but. Um, there's still some very interesting baseball issues out there. And yesterday, again, the Rangers just keep signing people. They just keep signing people, and I keep saying, okay, everybody keeps telling me how bad they're going to be. And I'm looking at the ceiling of these all these players they picked up. It's pretty high ceiling. So we'll see how that plays out as the season goes on. I would love to continue to own the Little Rangers because, you know, there was a period there for six or seven years where they owned the Astros. And so it's it's kind of nice being on this side of the fence. We'll see how long it continues. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, shift gears to look a little closer at the LSU-Purdue matchup for the Citrus Bowl. We talked a little bit about it, but not much. We'll do that next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, world series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Want to remind you about the Hangout Music Fest. If you would like to attend a beach vacation like none other in Gulf Shores, Alabama, May the 19th through 21st, where you could see such Groups as Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, and Lil Nas X, and more. The 1037, the game. One o the game one o three seven Lafayette one o four one Lake Charles has where has it where you could win VIP passes, which would give you access to exclusive viewing areas, stage sites, pools, hot tubs, gourmet food. As we said, the Hangout Music Fest is a beach vacation like no other. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right. This Purdue team, when I looked a little more, a little closer at 
the the matchup or or not well the matchup but 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 the baller makers themselves and you know I think not really paying close attention to them I expected to see offensive numbers that were a little better and defensive numbers that were a little worse obviously most of the publicity since the bowl matchup has been that their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, opted out as well as the tight end and his top target, the receiver. So that's not good. If you're if you're pulling for Purdue, which ain't too many people down here other than people who just root against LSU, but then uh, it's not good. But, I mean, O'Connell had – O'Connell's numbers weren't fantastic. I mean, he, he has – he had 22 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. They've thrown – 14 interceptions this season. Now, when you throw the ball a lot, I guess that's going to happen or it's got a shot of happening. But um, I don't know. about uh, the, the, the stats were not what I thought. They're, they're averaging 410 yards a game, which is fine. But they only give it up 349, which is not like super fantabulous, but it's not bad for what you consider a finesse team. Now, I understand the Big Ten is not the old Big 12 and it's not the Pac-12. 12 now I I get that or even with the SEC's become but I I I don't know those numbers were not exactly what I was expected to see the other thing that's interesting about Purdue is they they've owned the time of possession for the season they're they're a little over 30 an average of a little over 32 minutes and um, the opponents are a little under 28 minutes, so they don't—they don't play as finessey as I think th- their reputation, or at least my perception of how they play is. They've done a—you know—they've controlled the clock pretty good. They're completing about 40 percent on third down and giving up 33 percent, which is are not bad numbers. Um, the other thing that's interesting about them is. Their turnovers, you know, they 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 haven't gotten a whole lot of help from that or a lot of hurt. They that they've thrown fourteen interceptions, and they've made fourteen interceptions. They've lost nine fumbles, and they've gotten nine fumbles. So their turnover ratio is zero. It's even, uh, or turnover margin is even. So you don't see that a whole lot, you know. I. When I do a matchup all year long with the Cajuns, those are the kind of things I look at. I look at turnovers. I look at how they do on third down offensively and defensively. I look at, um, you know, how many yards they're giving up, how many yards they're allowing. Um, I look at sacks. Another one. They've gotten, a, I think it's 28, and they've given up 24. So all, you know, kind of about the same. Just the numbers that I expected to see from them were not exactly really what I thought. They, they, they have they played some high scoring games. Yeah, everybody in college football for the most part is going to play some high scoring games. You know, they, they, they beat, they lost to Syracuse thirty two twenty nine. They lost to Penn State thirty five thirty one. But they also beat Northwestern State 17 to 9. So they you know they they lost to the Gophers 20 to 10. So not every game they played is really really high scoring. And so 
what I draw from that is they may not be in as much, quite as much in a panic mode without its starting quarterback as maybe some people were thinking. We'll see. Again, they hadn't played on forever. By the time they play on Monday, it's going to be, what, five weeks since they played. So that, um, let's see, when was their last game? No, they played, no, it'll be four weeks. They 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 played Michigan uh, in the championship game. So they, they played December the 3rd. Um, I was thinking their last game was the 26th or 25th, right in that. But but they played the week after, so it, it will only be four weeks. But the, their stats are not not quite um, what I was expecting to see. The other thing, just to keep an eye on, is it L, or, or to keep kind of tuck away in the back of your mind. And again, without the quarterback, without a key tight end, without their best receiver. Um, it may not come to play, but one thing that to keep in mind in this matchup that stuck out looking at kind of just surveying their season statistics is they've scored a lot more points in the fourth quarter than any of the other quarters. They've scored 120 points in the fourth quarter this season, and that's 25 more points than any other quarter and about 50 more points than they've scored in the first or the third quarter. They've scored a lot in the second quarter, 95, and they've scored a lot, a lot in the fourth quarter, 120. So I don't know. uh, I don't think that's totally, man, they got blown out a bunch of times and they just scored a bunch of useless points in the fourth quarter. I'm sure there's a little bit of that, but I don't think there's much of that. I just something to keep an eye on that they've been a fourth quarter scoring team all season long, apparently. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Mr. Foot. How you doing this morning? Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm making it, making it. Santa took all my money, but uh, I'm making it, man. I understand. Uh, uh nah, I got a question for you. Which which one do you think is worse? Giving up a thirty three point lead in one half or giving up a nine-point lead with, with 32, 33 seconds left in a basketball game. Which one do you think it works? Well, I got, I got, I got to still do the 33-point lead because, you know, the nine, the, what you're talking about with the Nets, I mean, it's, it's something that can just happen yeah. at a blink of an eye. I mean, that's just one or two mistakes by you and one or two great plays by the opposition. When you blow a 33-point lead, that's a lot of mistakes. You have a lot more opportunities to write this ship that you just don't – you didn't write. Right, right. That was the Knicks, right, that, that, that Mavericks were playing last night? Oh, I got you, yeah. Yeah, well, well, I, well it must be pretty hard for, for Paul to did this morning. Uh, your, your team give up. A nine-point lead. But the reason I call, man, uh, I've always been a Luka fan. I like Luka Doncic. And I don't think he gets nearly the credit that he deserves. Look, I think he's one of the two top uh, players in the NBA right now other than Giannis. I mean, and because you know that, that, that guy that plays in Los Angeles, LeBron James, he gets all the credit and don't do nothing. But uh, I think that was, a, a you know, an amazing game he had last night. But, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to uh, – to, to ask you that question. They're both. They're, uh, year, neither one of them is a lot of fun. I can tell you that much. Now, you know what's right around the corner, her foot? What's that? The NFL draft. Right around the corner. Let me. That, that. 
We haven't even finished. We we haven't gotten going and taken our um our whipping at Philly yet. Then we got one more game against the Arnolds. I'm not even. Right. You, you already ready for the draft? I mean, I, you got to start thinking about it. I mean, it, it, it's right around the corner. Hopefully, them things don't draft a quarterback in the first round. Uh, but but hey, don't worry about. It. I heard you were talking baseball this morning a little bit. Hey, don't worry about them other teams. You know, the Astros are still the world champions. It's a hammock year this year. Don't stress yourself out, and don't let them Saints stress you out. But, and take that medication, buddy. I want you to live for about another 30 years. Appreciate well, I, you, buddy. I hope so. Thank, thank you very much. <clears throat> By the way, speaking of the Saints, I heard um, some of Raymond's interview with Andrew Juge, and it was, it, it, it was glad to hear him say that, I, you know, it wasn't just me. I was sitting there watching, like I said yesterday, the Saints game Saturday, and it's just like, what are they doing? So it wasn't me just saying, what are you doing? I I, I just... You know, we all have this idea that the coaches know more than we do. And do they know more about the team than we do? Of course. Do they know more about the workings of the sports than we do. Yeah. But that's why I've talked about game management. Like, there's no way, no way that you could come. No, I'm not going to go that way. Um, there's no way that giving the ball to Taysom, Batman, nine times, and it, it was the right, wise thing to do. There's just no way. Like, it, it and again, you might make you might make a, a a bad decision on whether to kick a field goal or not kick a field goal or call a timeout or not call a timeout or this one play you can uh, kind of like the example we were just given with the Colts blowing a thirty three point lead and the Knicks blowing whatever it was nine point lead and you know in a very short period of time. But that whether you make a call or kick a field goal or make a decision to go for it or not go for it, that's one moment and one play in one particular time. When you're talking about whether you give the ball to your most valuable weapon only nine times over the course of four quarters, that's different. I mean, that's like that's not one mistake. That's Repeating the same mistake over and over and over again, that's just being totally, you know, that's more of a lifestyle as opposed to a mistake. I mean, it's just, what are they doing? I, I, I just, I just don't understand how in their minds they think that, that that's what they needed to do in that game. I, I just, I just, it's still just absolute. You know, I'm trying to wait. Give the ball to Batman nine times uh, in the North Pole, or Mark Ingram running to the right of the first down marker. Which ones were? Well, I still think it's Mark Ingram running to the right of the first down. <laughs> I still think that one's not close, because we're gonna see teams and coaches. For years, not give the ball to the right in their hand. That's gonna that happens almost that happens multiple times in every NFL weekend. When Mark Ingram did, 
it, it might be 10 years before we see that again. We might not ever see that again, ever, what he did. I mean, that may never happen again. So as bad as, as stupid as it was for Batman only carried a ball nine times, it's still not in the, in the realm of incomprehensible incompetence as what Mark Ingram did. Unbelievable. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back with more on foot uh, footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. That might be what I need today. That was a very good choice. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game. The game hotline, 706-0111, Want to remind you tonight, the McNeese Coaches Show from 6 to 7. As we do each Wednesday, presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed of Westlake in the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Our friend Jim Gazzolo will be talking all things McNeese Cowboys with the athletic director. So tune in tonight from at 6 o'clock for the McNeese Coaches Show, and you can hear that right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And again, um, shortly after that, tip-off set for 8 o'clock, you will hear the LSU SEC matchup at home against the number 9-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. And that is... Um, they had a couple of really good games last year. The game in, in, in Fayetteville was really good, as I remember last year. Went down to the wire. Um, so that should be a fun matchup. All right, again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. One of the things that happens uh, this week, and it's been this way for 30 years or so, um, even for even longer, and is we have a ton, and there's more high school basketball tournaments between Christmas and New Year's than there's ever been. Uh, it ju- they just keep adding to, to the list. Uh, but we've got a ton. And, and the, two, the two premier boys' basketball tournaments during this time um, for, for a long time now, going back to the late 80s, has been, well, St. Thomas More started, I think this is the 40th, so they've been doing this since the early 80s, since I was in high school when the school started. Um, and then, I don't know, about six, seven, eight years later, something like that, St. Martinville started its tournament, and they've been having a really good tournament for a, for a long time. So just uh, if you have nothing to do and you are a high school basketball fan and you happen to be off, there's a ton of great game matchups that you might like. Um, uh, Lafayette Christian is going to be playing in about 11-15 today against a team from out of state coached uh, by former uh, STM player Brandon Mouton. At 12.30, Ascension Episcopal is playing against Westlake. I mean, Westgate. That's a little. That's an interesting matchup. At 3.15, Southside playing against another out-of-state team, um, Bishop Ireton. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not sure. At 4.30, Turlings is playing Newman. Now, look, I know that because of Arch Manning, Newman's football team got all kind of publicity, but I and I have not seen them. But I've been told, you know, Newman's football team is not really very good. Um, com- I mean, they're a fine team, but not compared to like 
other really good teams in the state. But I've heard um, that Newman's basketball team might be the best team in the whole state. Like, it's really deserving of all the publicity that Arch Manning gave the football football program. And so, um, you know, obviously Turlings is having – they haven't played a ton of games, but they're off to a really encouraging start. Um, Coach Jake Dewitt's team. And, that you know, this is going to probably, you know, be their biggest test of the season. Now, it's not the most important game of the season. It's not like if you lose to the team that a lot of people say is the best team in the whole state that, oh, no, our season's over. Of course not. But it's just an interesting matchup. If you haven't seen this Newman team play, might be worth seeing they're playing today at 430. And then St. Thomas More is playing Karen Crow in another winner's bracket game at 6. At St. Martinville this afternoon, Bro Bridge at 330 uh, is playing Lorville. Lorville had a nice win over Rain yesterday in an opening round matchup of the Daryl Mitchell Senior Holiday Classic. At 5 o'clock, St. Martinville, uh, the one game that I did not get a score of last night is East Jeff and Franklin. Um, they reported all the other scores, but I, I didn't get that one. St. Marville is playing whoever won that game yesterday between Franklin and East Jefferson at 5 o'clock. At 6.30, Peabody, who's been a part of this tournament for a long, long time, um, is playing Como in a winner's bracket game, and Abbeville is playing New Iberia scheduled at 8. So some real good matchups there um, in St. Martinville and here in Lafayette at the uh, at the St. Thomas More Sunkiss shootout. There's also Norfamilian Boys Tournament is opening up its round-robin event today uh, in Leroy. Turlings has a girls round-robin girls tournament that's going on. Northwest has been playing since Monday. They haven't really reported any of their scores, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But uh, they've been having a tournament up in Prairie Ron since Monday um, and St. Edmund over in Eunice, they've got a unique tournament going on this weekend. They've got a girls' round robin, and, they, and, and I guess this has happened before, but we haven't had much of this format around here where you have a girls' round robin bracket, then you have a bracket of big school or larger school teams and a bracket of smaller school teams. So they separated their boys' bracket their boys' tournament, into two separate tournaments, essentially. Essentially, they're hosting three tournaments uh, this week at St. Ed's. And so uh, you've got a large school bracket and a small school bracket on the boys' side. Kind of interesting the way that that, that worked out. Um, but, again, that's a, that's more, more of a new tournament that uh, we get. Vermillion Catholic Girls, who's been had the, the best girls' tournament, the uh, – for this time of the year for a long, long time. And it's it's a round-robin event now, but it started yesterday as well. So all kind of options, all kind of options. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Kevin. Hello. Hey, how's it going? How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, doing good. You know who this is, huh? Uh, who's that? To Shane, Vikings fan. Oh, how you doing? I'm all right, man. Well, y'all have had, um, I don't know, some would say the most <laughs> exciting season of all the teams in the NFL. Um, because yeah, every man. game you play goes down to, like, the last minute. Like, <laughs> y- y'all yeah, are man. like the epitome <laughs> of the NFL today, these days. 
Kevin, we need to keep eating those Lucky Charms for breakfast, my man. <laughs> Unbelievable and the keep, year they've had. And, and, and keep carrying around that Lucky Rabbit's foot and the four-leaf clover and, and whatever else, man. But uh, you're going to give me some help Sunday, I know, huh? Oh, you all no. is going over there oh, to Philly and winning. No. How is that going to happen? Yeah, they're they, they going to go over there and beat them, Kevin. Look, look, I thought that they had, you know, like a 10 to 20% chance of winning if they could have beat the Cowboys and they sat Jalen Hurts and they had nothing to play for. They clinched number one. But, they, I mean, the only chance – I mean, again, I'll give them slightly above a 0% chance if Jalen Hurts doesn't play. They, look, if Jalen Hurts plays, it's going to be a complete blowout. Ah. Nah, but, come on, Kevin. Come but, on but, but 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 uh, if Garner Minshew hey, plays, they might have a chance, but a very small. Go over there, go, go over there and win, Kevin. But yeah. how? Tell me how. Hey, I know but, you're talking the, with your the heart, thing but is how? That, the thing is, will we come through for the later afternoon game? You know, and not mess it up. Uh, uh, I would run Taysom Hill, like you say. I I throw him more, throw him, run him. Oh, I mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's the only thing that would make any I, sense I mean, about what they've done. Is that the first some matched up good against the 49ers. I watched that game. Yeah, they could have they could have won that game. They uh, they just Billy's kind of that same uh physical yeah, type. But... I don't know. I never really watched Philly that much, but it seemed like they're I don't no, know, really, I guess no, there's some similarities. Physical, there's but... some similarities. The difference is if Jalen Hurst plays it it, it, it it, all bets are off. Like that, I mean, they will get routed if he plays. Unless, uh, unless. Go over there and win, Kevin. I need that help. Well, I understand <laughs> you need help, but I mean, this is a this is a bad, bad, bad matchup. But now okay. the other thing we'll the Saints have to do is have some players. You know, they won the game, and so when you win, you always. But they were playing fourth string safeties in that matchup. Like somebody's got to play. If they, uh, if none of these guys uh, play, they're gonna get. It's gonna be ugly. Are they, you, they? Some of these guys are supposed to come back from the. Yeah, uh, I didn't think. I, I, I was kind of surprised that May didn't play, and uh, we've been waiting for the the best cornerback, Lattimore. That's they wanted to play for six weeks, and they keep saying they think he's going to play. Hopefully, he comes back. If he comes back, that'll help a little bit if he's ready. Yeah, that, that, that but would some help. of these yeah, guys hopefully. have to play. I don't know and how they're going to stop the run. It's supposed to be all that cold this time. I mean, you know, the, the, I think the weather's warming up even over there. But uh, yeah. Look, uh, I hope the Saints I can make you your day and mine, but I'm not. I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> well, I'll be tuning in at noon. I want you know. Uh, I feel pretty good about New Orleans winning. I just hope we could come through. We'll but what happened? Those. Why is the defense gotten steadily worse? It seems like for the Vikings. The Vikings yeah. defense. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, well, they're, they're, this is the first year they go to that three-four. They've always been a four-three throughout the years except for one time maybe in 1982. So this is the first year, the 3-4. And uh, not to say injuries, but like that guy we got from Green Bay, he, I think his last name Smith, he's a very good pass rusher. Well, he hadn't been 100%. Daniel Hunter's getting used to playing that 3-4. It's kind of new. That's the only thing I could say, you know, and then they play that zone. Their defensive backs play that zone. Not hardly no man-to-man, so... I don't know. You know, it's kind of hard for me to figure it out. Yeah, they just – everything. everything's new, you know, new defensive coordinator, this and that. So, we'll, well see, you know. 
you've um you 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 all are like the Cajuns were the last two seasons before this when y'all win every close game. So it, it it's fun. Man, to, it's fun yeah. to win them. Yeah, and uh, that Cajuns game, man. God, that fumble hurt. Boy, I was I was into that one too. Yeah, That's they so they good. were in great position to win. Everything was going great, and fumble turnovers are yeah, just yeah, man. Uh, Golly. Cute. Anyway, guys, all right. I appreciate you, I appreciate the call you and my happy New Year, sir. Yes, you too. Happy New Year, man. Thank you. All right, we'll take no look. Viking, look. You know me. I hate the Vikings, but it's just like our friend that that's a cheater fan. If you call and you talk nice and respectful, we can we can talk. I, I don't mind talking about these other teams. I'm not going to root for them, but I certainly don't mind talking about them. And because you know, beating the Eagles, if it can help them, help the man out, I'm all for it. But I'll just say, again, I'll, I'll say I won't say Z. If Jalen Hurts doesn't play, I won't say they have zero chance of winning. I'll give them like a five percent chance of winning. But if Jalen Hurts plays, it goes back down to zero, a zero, a zero chance of winning. All right, we'll take a. Time out, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, um, if you would like to have lots of fun, Mardi Gras, and you want to plan for it, trail is presenting the Lundy Gras Barthon Monday, February the 20th. It's four-mile event through Freetown, just south of the parade route, uh, where you can wear costumes, enjoy drink specials all day. A party bus will follow closely behind, so you can do any. You cannot run at all and just stay on the party bus, or you can run some of it, or you can run all of it. But uh, all kind of options there. It's really about fun. Uh, the audience will vote. For the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Graw Barthon. Register now at latrail.org. Man, we're already talking about Mardi Gras. But really, I mean, once we get to next week, it's going to be a new year, and we're only going to be like six weeks away. That means we're only going to be like five or six weeks away from the start of the softball season and the in the baseball season at the college level, I mean, that's, you know, we just got finished freezing to death. It, you know, it's great the weather out today. So, by the way, for those of you who have this in, in your little minds that that cold weather is fun, like after going through the cold, especially if you made the trip to Shreveport for the Independence Bowl, like I did, and you froze to death, and it was just just miserable when you were out there. The weather today, if you wanted to, oh, I love cold weather. And then you felt the weather today after the cold weather we've been experiencing. It, you honestly can tell me you don't prefer today's weather to freezing to death? I mean, <laughs> I just don't understand that mentality. Oh, no, I, I'd rather freeze to death than what we're experiencing. Today. Oh, okay, that's a good, I, I get I get that. No, I don't. I will never get that. Oh, I'd rather freeze to death. Oh, okay, that's a good plan. Let's freeze it down. I don't get it. I mean, today it's, it was great. Now, again, it doesn't have to be oppressively hot. 
Not saying I totally enjoy oppressively hot, but man, like right, today is just nice weather. It's not oppressively hot, but you're not freezing to death. Not a big fan. I, I don't understand how people say, oh, I, I love the cold weather. I just don't get it. Like, I don't get Mark Ingram. I don't get not using Batman. No, but, well, I can't get to that yet. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll bring that up at the next hour. I did have a crazy thought when our Viking fan friend was calling. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that next hour. For now, we'll take... A timeout, that's one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. We talked We talked a little baseball in the first hour. We talked a little bit about the Saints. We talked a little bit about LSU's matchup with Purdue, kind of getting to know our LSU's opponent there in, in, in Purdue. Um, talked a little NFL quarterback situations. I mean, uh, Sean Payton situations. And, you know, the thing that I was saying at the top of the last hour that came to my mind when our friend, the Viking fan, called and he was, you know, obviously hoping that somehow the Saints can upset the Eagles, which I don't see happening at all. But the the thing that came to my mind is the only thing that would make sense it wouldn't make sense, but it would kind of make sense about how little the Saints use Batman and how and they use him, but not as much as someone like me would like for them to use him, is that they were sandbagging for this matchup. <laughs> the fucking well, maybe they've been sandbagging and they're just gonna just and Batman's just gonna do everything and, and they're gonna throw this giant curveball at the Eagles defense and it's gonna work. Well, I don't believe that, but I, you know, in the moment, it would frustrate me overall, but in the moment, I would enjoy it, especially if it would work. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts' first official start was against the Saints. Uh, he had his rookie year, he had playing time. I think they still had Carson Wentz and he kind of did like a Russell Wilson. He was really good, and he got hurt, and he fell off, you know, hard. And uh, But I remember they, they named Jalen Hurts the starter, and I watched them in Alabama, you know, being an LSU fan. I was familiar with him. He always reminded me of kind of like a Mike Dick, not as fast or as, as, as athletic but strong, but a, a primarily a runner that throws short and underneath. And LSU played him – tough a few times you know we kind of shut them down but they still won like you know a a low scoring game but uh anyway whenever we played them I think that was that was the year Drew got hurt and Taysom Drew got hurt against the 49ers Jameis played 
We looked horrible in the second half. And then Taysom went the rest of the way. And that was the year we played the Broncos, and they did, their quarterback was like a fifth-string wide receiver. And then, uh, but anyway, we went 4-1 and one or 5-1 and one with Taysom, and the game that we lost was against Philly. And whenever we're playing Jalen, it, it's one of those things where we, we don't have film on him from an NFL standpoint, but we do have – we know what he's capable of. And anyway, every time he ran the ball – whether it was a designed run or a scramble, it was like we had no idea what to do. And Same thing last year. That. Last year they ran right. all over the Saints again. But Just... that, that's when the ownership with the Eagles started because before that we had we beat, we beat crushed them in the uh, regular season in 18 and then we played them in the playoffs and it was close. But we well, but that was at home. That was at home. They don't, they don't, they don't own the Saints in New Orleans. I can remember a game – uh, when Deuce was playing where we went to Philly and got crushed. There was a game, I don't know, about four or five years ago. They went to Philly and got absolutely demolished. Uh, just totally demolished. They just don't. When they go to Philly, it's ugly. Well, maybe we could get a Kyrie Robinson second and 16 first down. Type play. Well, that that's you know, the one, one shining one. moment you brought up. One of the best ten plays in Saint history. Absolutely, that that was a great well, that was a great victory. And that was a uh, we we that was Chip Kelly's first year, and it was a wild card round. <clears throat> it was our Saints' first ever road wild card win or playoff victory. Right. But we got. We, I say we lucked out. Sproles had a punt return or a kick return. We were down late in the fourth, and they had like a face mask or a. Something like that that gave us points, and we ended up getting a field goal and winning. But uh, no, it's just uh, uh, a lot of that stuff. It's it's really just you know I don't know. It's like you said, we're we're not good at defending scrambling quarterbacks. But having said that, I give ourselves better than a five or zero percent chance just because it's the NFL. But having said all that, with uh, Casper, you know, I got a buddy that's a diehard Cardinals fan, and he texted me this morning wishing, hoping that they get Sean Payton. And uh, I'm kind of like I said yesterday that I'd rather the draft picks than him. But if him coming back, uh, that was a Jeff Duncan article. I don't know. I'm not sure he has inside information or friends or sometimes people write stuff for clickbait, whatever. How much, you know, was it, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody that brought it up, it's kind of like, is there any validity to Validity, valid. Help me with that. Validity. validity. Yeah, validity. no, you said it right. And 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 the point is, uh, if it is true, I think it's a lot of Casper the Quitter. It's almost like uh, somebody wanting to go to a dance, and I really want to go with this one, but if this one says no, and then this one says no, I'll settle for this one. That's what it feels like. If it is true, you know, like why would you leave and, and just to come back the next year? Because we would all love to do that. I, I said it at the time. The day that it happened, the, it, 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 I, I said, this, this idiot is just going to take a year off and come back. I mean, I, that, it, I had that thought the very day that it happened. Look, all of us get burnt out. It's just most of us don't have the, I mean, I would love to take a year off or even a month off. Uh, of working, but you just you, you, we, most of us aren't financially in that position. He was, so he got burnt out a little bit. So he said, "Well, let me go. I have this new wife, and let me go and live a little bit and and get rejuvenated." 
on a larger scale than like a one week vacation does for most of us or tries to do. And, and, and he and he could do it, so he did it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, and I'm not. It's just something that happens, but some people. He got divorced and he got remarried, and that's kind of like, you know, uh, there's no loyalty, the fans or the team, but you know what I'm saying? And, and the whole Bill Parcells thing. But I'll, I'll leave you with this. I disagree with you a little bit, and I understand why you say what you say, but I think the Cowboys, if the Cowboys are one and done, uh, they lose in whatever the first round of the playoffs, and they fire McCarthy, my money would go on Sean going to Dallas because I think – what you say is true that Jerry is the GM, but A, Jerry's got to be losing patience. He's got to be in his 90s. But B, whenever Stalin was with the Cowpokes, you don't think Stalin called the plays or called the shots? It's like, and, like, you tell Jerry, hey, you can take all the credit for drafting DeMarcus uh, Ware or uh, Tony Romo. You can take all that credit, but it's really me. You know what I'm saying? Stalin did not go to Dallas and let Jerry make those decisions. The following in the following in Stalin's footsteps. Yeah, I, I get that. I think that's a good point. I think I think that's a good point. But I mean, again, Dallas is wishy-washy enough to lose to any of these teams, no question. But I um, I don't think that's going to happen. But we'll see. All right, thanks, Kevin. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, again, the Cardinals thing. It was that was my prediction a year ago, but. I just don't I don't see him trusting their leadership there, their GM there. It's like why and some people bring up the Broncos, why would he trust the GM for the Broncos who just made this awful Russell Wilson trade? Like why would he trust him? I I don't see that happening either. You know another team and I, I don't know that they're going to fire the coach cuz they're playing well. You know, the Saints demolished the Raiders, and since then, the Raiders have actually played pretty good football. But I could see Sean Payton, I could see Casper the Quitter, and Brady going to the Raiders because they're talking about Derek Carr being done. And isn't that the team? I could be wrong, but isn't the Raiders the team that Brady wanted to go to originally and they ditched on him and they kind of told him no? I think he I think his his initial team that he was gonna leave the Patriots for was the Raiders. Now they have a new coach, and I thought he was actually fired at midseason. Apparently I dreamed it, and and he wasn't, but um uh, and they've won, and they've made a. They've actually played pretty good football the last month. But I could see them firing him if they could hire Sean Payton and get Brady, because they, you know, they they would love that from a publicity standpoint. So I think the Raiders is another team to. I think the Colts kind of makes sense if he can put up, you know, depending on what he thinks of their crazy owner. Um. And remember, Genius was going to be the coach of the Raiders before he came to the Saints, and he turned it down. Now, I don't, I can't believe he thinks that highly of their owner, but I don't know, just something. I could see the Raiders situation. I could see that happening, I think, even though 
if I was him, I wouldn't mess with it because that, you know, I don't know that their their business model's not exactly great either. I, I I don't know that I would trust their hierarchy at all. Um. So again, I don't think there's a long list. That's why the people who just co- totally dismiss the Saints, uh, I think the Saints are as stable because he's lived it. He. He knows what's possible. He knows that the the role that he could play and and the and the support he would get and he he knows all. There's no guessing with the Saints situation, and so um, that's why I wouldn't automatically. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I wouldn't dismiss it. I mean, I, I, I I'd be surprised if he went to some, you know to Denver. I'd be surprised if he went to Arizona. Um, unless he just likes the climate there, obviously, and unless he just feels like he can, he could get more credit if he turned a program like an organization like that around. But um, I think you know there's no reason to trust them either, from a front office standpoint. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. On footnotes on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry, we're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Want to remind you, if you like to make your life easier with your Amazon Alexa or Google Home uh, smart speakers, uh, you can do that with radio as well. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana, it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, with you home, office, wherever you go. All right. Um, again, the game hotline, as always, is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to... To get in, now is a good time to do it because we're going to be speaking with UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead in the next segment. So now, as I said, is a good time to come in. We talked about a lot of different subjects today. I got you updated on high school basketball tournaments in the area where you might could, uh, you know, if you would like to go to some really good matchups. And if, if you missed any of that and you want it, please, you know, don't hesitate to call. I'll try to fill you back in on that. Um, Obviously, we've got looking forward to a big NFL weekend. One of the great words and the, the penultimate regular season weekend. 
The other thing that that it, that kind of has happened is for years. Speaking of bowl games, for years the Sun Belt Conference bragged about how good it did in bowls, and it got off to a great start this year. Did not finish well. Sun Belt did not. You know, the Cajuns should have, could have, would have won, but they didn't win. Uh, Georgia Southern should have, would have, could have won, but it didn't win. And so it, you know, it did not. The 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 uh, South Alabama got waxed. So after a very exciting start to the bowl season for the Sun Belt, with Troy winning and uh, Marshall winning, uh, did not end very well for 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 for, for the Sun Belt. So you know that happens. But I'm just saying that was they were really talking. You know, it was kind of ironic that it ended that way because you had that year, er, that weekend earlier this year where the Sun Belt was like on a national stage. They even went to to Boone for a game day and ended up not being a real good season for App. And, you know, Marshall's win over Notre Dame, you know, they're a pretty good team. I mean, they proved to be a pretty good team. The Cajuns went, on, went to Marshall and won by double figures. That was impressive. That was... I think that was the most impressive win the Cajuns had. But they went up there, and that wasn't a fluke. They they beat Marshall physically on the line of scrimmage. Now they had trouble tackling that running back. He was good. But they beat Marshall. So that was a, that was a good win. But, no, Sunbelt did not finish real well uh, in the bowls like they have in recent years. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot, how's it going? Oh, just trying to get through it. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm good. I'm like you. I'm just trying to get through it myself. <laughs> Absolutely. It's almost over. Terrible loss last night. I mean, everybody act like the Knicks got blown out. It wasn't a blowout. I mean, wow. I mean, act like they, 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 they put a parade up for this guy, Luca, like he won a championship or done something. Oh, my God. Guy's overrated. Lord. Oof. Oof. But I call about the Sean Payton thing. This is what I was thinking while you was talking. Now, you know how you always talk about, you know, he this catalog guy. You know what I mean? And everything else about him. Now, let's think about it. Right now, he has all these coaches and owners on the edge. These coaches is coaching for their job because he's right there lurking. Okay? Everything he describes about what he's looking for in a team, he describes the same. He describes teams like Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh ain't getting rid of Mike Tomlin. So you know, these teams that got these coaches they're not getting rid of, they have what he's looking for. Okay? Now, he could be like how you say he looks at, you know, he's raising his stakes up and just got the NFL kind of up all rattled because, oh, Lord, Sean, Sean, Sean coming out of retirement. I might lose my job. And he might just be playing this little game. And this whole time he might be coming back to the Saints. Nobody knows. You know, Miss Benson probably, I, I think in a way, if he really was gone 100%, it could be like she could have made sure that he was gone. Here's your contract, pay you out, you're gone, your contract up, pay you, leave with leave within a briefcase. Or she keep hope alive and hope he comes back, you know, and if he doesn't, get draft picks. Maybe the guy's playing a little fitterly game because how he does with his players, how he does as a coach, Maybe that's what he's doing here. And at the whole time, this man is just taking a break, like you said, and coming back to those things. Well, like I said, from day one, he never retired. I mean, of the people who said he retired and all these 
Oh, great God. Congratulations. Congratulations for what? I guess congratulations for having a being financially stable enough and to be able to take a year off and go on a year long vacation and come back. I mean, I guess uh, congratulations. If you can do it, do it. We'd all love to do it. But I mean, to say he retired, it was just stupid to me. It was blown. Yeah, I, I, he never retired. Everybody knew he was coming back. And shortly after he retired, in his, in his interview, he said, talking about maybe coaching again. So you knew he wasn't retired. Yeah. So the man took a break. He he got the chance to see what's out there and see what's up. He raised the state. It's kind of like what Odell doing. What Odell doing? He got all these teams rattled up to try to get him. It's the same thing Sean doing. They're playing the game. They know actually where they want to go and where they're most likely going to go. And there's a lot of teams out there that just really does not fit Sean. And who's really going to, when you look at GMs, from owners to GMs and all, who really going to give him what New Orleans gave him? And think about it. If he do come back, he already was worshipped after winning that championship. You know how much he would be really worshipped after the season we just had and he come back? Man, talk about it. They're going to have to throw the man a parade. He gonna really, people going to be eating out of his hands. You know what I mean? No, so I get he it. Wanted to, when he wanted to, if he had a chance to quit shortly after he divorced his first wife, right? He could have left. That was part of his around when he got suspended. He could have left. He was a free agent. He didn't leave. So who really is going to give him what we gave him, and have what we really have from ownership on down? Like you said about the Raiders. Come on, Mark Davis. Come on, he ain't his daddy. You know what I mean? And so on. Come on. I really believe. There's a 50 or more than 50% chance from what the man said and what he's looking for. He's coming back to New Orleans. Can be wrong or I can be right. That's just my opinion. I'm j- I mean, I have I no idea. I'm just saying I think he's got a better chance of being the Saints' next head coach than the Saints do a beating the Eagles Sunday. I agree, Foot. All right, Foot. Well, you have a blessed one. Foot. All right. Take care. Uh, now, again, I don't think either number's very high. Don't get me wrong. But, man, no. I don't, I don't. Look, I would love if that would happen. Love it. But um, the Saints haven't just been totally dismantled where they just get their face totally crushed that many times this, this century. And about four of those times was at Philly. <laughs> I mean, just where you, where you just get crushed. And... I mean, I you know, three or four of those times were, were at Philly, just crushed. Now at home, they 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 you know they they beaten Philly. They beat them in the playoffs in in '06. They beat them in the regular season by the same score, 27-24. They had the you know they've done that twice where they beat Philly in the regular season and then beat them in the playoffs. Um, of course, they were very fortunate to win that that playoff game. Over Philly in eighteen, if they, if they, man, that guy and if that receiver catches that pass, could have been iffy. Um, but and then the Saints should have went to the Super Bowl, just didn't happen. But um, man, I got some bad memories of going to Philly, and one great memory. You know, again, I, for those, I mean, the, the play that Armand was brought up. Um, they're they're down. It's late in the game. It's second and 11 from about their own 48 or somewhere right in there. Second and 11. And remember, Saints had brew breeze, and they were known for throwing the football. And <clears throat> Second and 11 
and they ran the ball up the middle with Kiri Robinson, and he got 13 yards. I still can't believe that. To this day, I still can't believe that happened. Cannot believe they called that play and that it worked, and they ended up getting a game-winning touchdown. I mean, a field goal from uh, that old Florida kicker that kicked for the Bengals um, and, uh, and won the game. First playoff, and, and that earned a right to go to Seattle, who was having a dominant season, and guess what happened at Seattle? Mark Ingram fumbled the football. Here we go with Mark Ingram again. They had played at Seattle on a Monday night game and got crushed. And, um, And Seattle was just looking unbeatable. And the Saints went up there and took it to them, and Mark Ingram fumbled the football. Just sickening, sickening. But no, I I don't see that happen. All right, before we get to our next timeout, I, I got you know something that I, I should have mentioned yesterday, and for whatever reason, just didn't happen. There's a report out, and I guess it's not a hundred percent official or anything, but I don't. I mean, it's very easy to believe that the Jets have basically moved on from Zach Wilson. Understand, this guy was picked number two overall just a few years ago. Number two. Oh, we got it. We got it. We got to lose games so we can go get a quarterback. Number two overall. Think of all the vetting that has to take place for an organization to take a quarterback number two overall. I just, I just don't. And and, and that guy has been a clown show, a clown show. And he was picked number two overall. Clown show. I, I just... I, I I just I want no part of that. I just I just have never ever wanted any part of that. And it's amazing to me how many people out there they just they want that situation. Sam Darnold picked what second, third, fourth? What was he picked? He was top five. Baker Mayfield number one overall. Zach Wilson number two. Just clown show stuff. And, I mean, already they're ready to ditch on this guy. Just no part of it. And, you know, we're about, you know, someone mentioned earlier, who was that that were called and was saying they were already ready for the draft. Like, already ready for the draft. But um, we're going to get this a year ago they were talking about how great a quarterback class this is going to be this year and it seems like as you know the as we're about to exit the college season that quarterback class i don't think it's going to turn out to be as great as as we thought now again there's still time they could prove us wrong but i'm starting to hear more where all these quarterbacks that were going to be these can't miss quarterbacks coming out of this draft and uh, not uh, that some people are kind of like, I don't know if they're as can't miss as we thought a year ago. 
I don't know if that's going to happen. So, I don't know. I just not a big fan of it. And every time I know, if, you know, I believe this for a long time. And so when you get, look, there are exceptions. You know, Patrick Mahomes turned out to be a great player. Um, but so many of these guys that you don't that you don't pick after like the top five, and even guys in the top five. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is doing better, but he still don't look like this unbeatable number one pick. He still does not play to that level yet. And then look at the guy that the cheaters went and got. Is that guy ever going to play? I don't know. I just want no part of that whole deal. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. We'll shift gears. Talk to UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead, the Cajuns. The Cajun men open up tomorrow on the road at Coastal Carolina. The women will open up at home against Georgia State, so we'll see if they can kind of flip a switch and get going, and we'll talk to Coach Broadhead about that after this timeout. Again, footnotes on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can't win any of these great prizes and, and others if you don't join the clubhouse. So do so today. Again, by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, we have with us your women's basketball coach, Gary Broadhead. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I say bring Sean Payton back. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it, you know, a lot of people <laughs> believe it's going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. I love it, man. Bring him back. I bring the best coach. I don't know if anybody else can win in New Orleans. Well, you know. He he has a certain aggressiveness about him that uh, kind of drove you crazy sometime, but the team is certainly locked this year for sure. All right, Coach. Well, first of all, um, it, is it, there's no way of knowing if the if your team has survived the break, I guess, or handled it well until you actually get on the court. But you know, a day away from your next game, how, how do you feel like it's going? Uh, you know, we came back on the night of the 26th, and I thought that we looked pretty good. You know, they, they were ready to come back. You know, sometimes it's kind of that one day, you know, you're coming up back off the holidays and all that, but it looks like they're ready to come back and they're ready to play. You know? uh, but we've had a good practice uh, on the 26th, and uh, actually yesterday was really good. So, I mean, it's a good sign, but you, it's like you say, you know, you got to play the game. and You know, you're bringing in, uh, you know, conference opponent, and everybody wants to beat everybody, so it's going to be – you know, who has the most energy, who's going to play the hardest, uh, 50-50. But all that stuff is going to make a big difference, you know. Can we do those things coming back off the break? 
So what do you, and this is, it's amazing how many times I've asked you this question over the last five or six years or so, but what, what's the health situation? Does it look like it's going to be better than, it, you know, a couple of weeks ago, or how does it look? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot better. We have everybody back except the Ashlyn Jones has a sprained ankle, and she's out. But everybody else is back, and uh, it's been fairly healthy, you know. I mean, I think we're as healthy as we've been all year. Uh, you know, our two-point guards are going to be back, and they're going to be able to share some time. So that's going to be big for us, I think. Uh, you know, and everybody else is is ready to go. So we're kind of excited about that. Uh, we'll be able to play. I, you know, I'm looking at able to be play eight or nine deep. You know, so I think that'll help. You know, it's just a matter of how we kind of gel together. You know, we're going to go back to the lineup that we played against uh, Abilene Christian. You know, well, that was the last time that we had the, the the whole lineup that we had. So. We're going to go back with that, start with that lineup, and then you know come off the bench with Cherry Porter and and see how that goes because it really worked well that game and then we never were able to do it again, you know. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can better get that going. All right, so there there there's being healthy and then there's having enough uh, efficiency and cohesion and and of a connection between all the players to where. If there's a big possession and you're tied with two minutes to go in the half, can you execute because you've kind of done it before? How, how worried are you about that scenarios like that to where everybody's on the same page enough right now to get it done in clutch moments? Yeah, it's crazy. We were talking about that this morning about, you know, especially like at the end of the game, we have some young kids that are a little bit more productive on the offensive side, but can you trust them? to make the right decisions and all that. And I think it comes from your two-point guards. You know, I think that, that if they're in the game and they feel comfortable that they can run something and, and get us a score or even actually, you know, prevent a turnover or anything like that. And I think with D. Rice and Sherry Porter, I think that's going to help. We didn't have that. I mean, I remember the last time. I mean, the last time we had it was actually in, in the Abilene Christian game. So, you know, hopefully that uh, – we're able to do that, you know, and I feel confident, you know, when you talk about experience, those, both those kids have some, a lot of experience. So hopefully they can kind of keep us gelled and keep us, you know, especially on the offensive side, you know, not turning over the ball is going to be big for us. So we get an opportunity to play some defense five on five and, you know, all those things that we've been trying to do for 10 years, you know, going to be important. You're, you're exactly right. You know, uh, as far as for the half and all that being prepared and trying to execute, you know, that, it goes a long way, too. If you can execute on the offensive side, it helps your defensive side to, to be a little bit more energetic and, you know, fight, you know, you know, garden for that, you know, for those 30 seconds or 20 seconds and all that. So I think those things are going to be important, too, especially coming into conference. But, you know, in conference, a win's a win, man. You just got to – and, you know, thanks to you, we, uh, we actually have two home games to start the conference, which hadn't happened very much for us, so – we're excited about that. All right, so you're opening at home tomorrow, 6 o'clock against Georgia State, and then 1 o'clock against Coastal Carolina. You know, I haven't gotten used to these unusual travel partners yet. I'm not used to seeing Georgia State with Coastal on a, on a travel weekend. Man, that's tough, too, because they had, they had uh, James Madison, Coastal is, and then they got to come all the way down to us, man, and, uh, in one day. So that's a tough one. I don't know if they're chartered or not, man, if they're not. With the way the flights are and all that right now, man, especially on the East Coast, man, it could be tough. You know, it could be tough. So yeah, yeah, nobody has travel partners this year. So you I mean you 
you're traveling all over the place. You, you might come play us and not go to ULM like you used to, you know. And, but that made it so easy. Or go to Georgia State and, and, and play Georgia Southern at the same time. That's not happening this year. So it's going to be tough, tough travel. And, and But everybody's got to do it, you know. It just matters how they matched you up, you know. Like we'll go to Southern Miss and then we got to turn around and go to Texas State, and, you know. Uh, it's just some crazy, crazy travel. But it'll be tough, you know, but it'll be tough on everybody. All right, so Georgia State, tell me about them. What does it look like matchup-wise? Well, you know, they got some size. You know, they, they're playing some bigger forwards, like 6'2". They got a 6'3 girl inside. But uh, Merrill is their main scorer. She's averaging right at 14, 15 points a game. Uh, and she's a, um, probably about a 6'1 forward. They look to her to score in the high post and stuff. Uh, but they're long, you know, and I think, you know, I think their type of game is going to kind of match up to us. They're going to play a little bit slower, half court game. So we can, I think we're going to be able to pressure them a little bit, and you know, hopefully we can turn them over to create some offense for ourselves. And you know, and the, I guess the always the biggest thing when you're playing a team like that, you got to keep limiting them to one shot. You know, they got a little bit of height, they rebound. They, you know, Merrill's probably their leading rebounder at, you know, right at eight eight rebounds a game. So. You know, you got to keep them off the boards, limit them one shot. I think you can do those things, and you know, we'll have to push in transition. You know, their point guard is pretty good. Um, you know, she's averaging right around 12 points a game. Tolbert, uh, kind of a small point guard, and I kind of like that. You know, we don't really have that as much trouble with the smaller point guard. So hopefully, we can put some pressure on her to, you know, to create some turnovers. But yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. You know, still, you know, they're they're a new team, so it's kind of not like the same team that they've had the last couple of years. So they brought in some newcomers and it's still watching film. It seems like it's the same team, just different personnel. So does that mean that your bigger girls might get a little more playing time than they do in some games for matchup or not necessarily? I don't, I don't think in this game, not so much, you know, I think Stewart will play a little bit more, you know, but uh, not as much. I think, I think we can try to make them match up to our, you know, a little bit faster group and all that, a little, you know. Um, so I will see, you know, but, like, I think some of the teams on the East Coast, uh, you, we're going to see some where they're going to have to match up and play more. This one might be a little different uh, than, than, and than some of the other ones like Old Dominion and James Madison and some of those teams that are a, a little bit bigger, maybe Southern Miss. But, yeah, this one is uh, – they're they're kind of I would say which is different they're, they're like forward oriented kind of like uh, Tamara Johnson you know she they're they're similar to that that type of player. All right, so obviously you know it, it it's going to be very important. You really want to try to sweep these two games and uh, at home, and yet it. it, it in in this matchup, is it about rebounding or is it just about making shots, which has been an issue uh, for most of the season? Well, I think it's about both. You know, I think we gotta, you know, we gotta keep them off the boards and all that, especially on their offensive side. But then at the same time, we'll have to score some. You know, we've been averaging around fifty five points a game, which is, you know, that's going to be tough to try to keep people under fifty points. You know, and uh, so I think that yeah, we'll have to score a little bit more. Um, and you know, feel a little bit more confident in in what we're and how we're trying to score. You know, I think we got to get some inside touches. When we did against uh, North Texas and Abilene Christian, we got more inside touches to where it created some problems for them, and we got better jump shots and all that. So we got to we got to go back to that. And that's what I like about our lineups. You know, the, 
were able to play the lineups that played in those games and did those and were able to see the success that we had uh, in those games. Do you feel like Destiny's ready if she needs to score and be more of a distributor that she's ready, you know, not just, you know, mindset-wise and endurance-wise and all to do that? You know, right before uh, she, you know, she had a concussion and she's, you know, she's she's able to play now. But right before that, I saw, man, I saw a different Destiny. I mean, she looked better in practice. Actually, when we would run, you know, she was out ahead of everybody. and You know, I thought, man, this is going to be really good. And then she had the concussion, so she sat out, you know, for those amount of days. And now she's just coming back. Um, I'm just anxious to see how it's going to transform into the game, you know. Um, but I know she's in better better condition and all that than she was uh, toward the beginning of the season. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it can carry on right now. All right, sir. We appreciate your time as always and look forward to seeing how um, y'all can do in, as you open conference this weekend at home. And, boy, I'd be a New Year's celebration if you can get off to a 2-0 and start. It would be great. It would be great, man. That's what we need to do. But, uh, yeah, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Go Cajuns. And Happy New Year to Cajun Nation. All right. You too as well. Thank you very much, UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on the game. Ooh, man, she's supposedly feeling under the weather, but she's been picking the right songs to get me going here. Very good job there by Hannah. Welcome back to Footnotes. Again, men's basketball tonight, LSU at 8 p.m. Tigers will be taking on number nine-ranked Arkansas. Get going in SEC play, and again, the Cajuns tomorrow. The men will be on the road to open up Sunbelt play against Coastal Carolina, and the women will be at home 6 o'clock tomorrow against Georgia State, and then a 1 p.m. game on New Year's Eve on Saturday against Coastal Carolina. So it'll be um, interesting to see how all these teams can get started in in in, in Sunbelt and SEC play. And, and, and like I was saying when Coach Murphy was on yesterday, it's just a weird time because, you know, a lot of people are in transition and, and, and you're out of school. That part, I think, is good for, for, the, for the student athletes as well as the coaches. But, you know, a lot of people are in holiday mode, and yet these are games that can, you know, make a big difference come down, down the road, especially – if you're at home, you want to seize that opportunity to being at home, especially the Cajun women who are never at home, and then uh, to open conference play until this year. But if you're the if you're on the road, then you you have to avoid digging yourself too big a hole. And like we talked about it yesterday with Coach Murphy, the Cajun men six of their first eight games are are at home. I mean, are on the road, and so. You want to not dig yourself too big a hole so, so when later in the year, when you finish out the Sun Belt schedule with six of eight at home, you can really make hay. It's kind of like a first cousin of what I always say during the course of a Major League Baseball season. Just avoid the sweeps. If, when, if you're going through a rough stretch or you, 
you played a month or two months into the Major League Baseball season, and you and you don't play great, but you just avoid the sweeps. When you get hot in July or August or September, you can really make some hay because you're you're not you haven't dug yourself too big of a hole. So we'll see how the Cajun and LSU men and women's teams do in that situation early on as we get through this holiday season. And again, next week it's going to be January, and next week. You know, school will not have started yet, depending on what high school I guess you go to. But colleges, you know, still will certainly be two to three weeks away from starting. But, you know, it's kind of the the new semester, uh, the second half of the athletic college athletic year. And, you know, everyone's going to be in conference play. Uh, Some teams in a high school level will either be really close or be in in district play and the the holiday tournament season that's going on right now will be pretty much over. Although Turlings has another tournament that first weekend in January uh, on the high school side. But again, it's, it's kind of like a new start and really kind of turning the page to a, a new different season. And before you know it, the college baseball and softball teams will be starting officially starting practice and kind of, kind of turning the page, leaving football season behind and, except for the NFL playoffs and getting on to the spring seasons, even though it might, who knows, we might have another cold spell in us or not. So we'll see how how that plays out. Once again, we will not have shows on Mondays. Um, I have heard back from Luke, and he will not be traveling um, by the time that we're on the show for his normal time. And so we will be able to talk Saints football with Luke, and I'll have to to give him credit. He's stuck behind... Z28 thought that he could play in those frigid temperatures, and he did very well. So I'll, I'll, I'll give Luke credit for having more faith in that working out. And I still think it's absolutely insane that Batman didn't run the ball more, but we'll let that live for one more day. I appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.